don't use others problems as a metric for your problems. Because if I would have talked to you and you're like, this is what I'm doing, I'd be like, oh, I'm not as bad as Amanda. Like, I'm probably totally fine. But that was not the case for me, right? That was not the case. It was like, you know, I always, I've been thinking about this. Like, I may not have had like, quote, I'm using quotes here, drinking problem, but my drinking was affecting my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health. So then it is a problem, right? So I think for me, it's like, what is it for you? And the great thing, and that's why I love this soberish, but I also like whatever form of sobriety is like, you can also define your solution, right? You don't have to use Amanda's or Holly's or Bob's or Sally's definition. You can define what works for you because we're all <laughs> unique snowflakes, um, but also not. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about being soberish, like your life now? What's mm. what really sticks out to you? Mm. I want to say everything, but that's not a very, (laughs) I think, you know, there's two things like, yeah, everything feels better. One, I am not actively working against myself to do the things that I want to do. Right. It's like, girl, we're on the same team here. Quit doing shit. That's stopping you from doing the things you want to do. Right. So I'm not actively waking up feeling bad. I'm not like, I am like, I am like in cahoots with myself. Hey, sober people and sober adjacent people. Welcome to I Have 12 Questions. I'm Amanda Patton, your host, a leading expert on nothing. However, I am in recovery and I love it so much so that I launched this podcast where we get to talk to people who are trudging the road to happy freaking destiny across all the different ways that people get there. So While this is definitely through the lens of recovery and sobriety, these stories and the themes that we'll be covering are universally human. So love, loss, grief, excitement, parenting, outside issues, purpose, God stuff, whatever. In the words of the great Ted Lasso by way of Walt Whitman, I want to be curious, not judgmental. So like I said, we'll be talking to people in recovery. We're going to be talking to experts and practitioners who help those people along their path in recovery. And we're just really excited to hear people tell their stories and to be inspired by them and to create a community of support for everybody in recovery and people who know and love people who struggle with addiction issues and whatnot. So anyways, we're so glad you're here and thanks for listening. Hey listeners, just a quick disclaimer before we get into the interview. These episodes may contain adult language and subject matter that's not appropriate for all audiences. Also, we are not doctors or psychiatrists, so what we share on these episodes is certainly not to be considered medical or psychological advice, just our own personal experiences, which we hope will be helpful to others on a similar quest. So that's it. And thanks for listening. All right. Hey, Sober family and our entire listening community. We have another great conversation about sobriety, or in this case, we could call it sobriety-ish. Like I said, from the very beginning of the show, you know, we are all about curiosity, open-mindedness, uh, learning and sharing our stories and hearing other people's stories um, in hopes that we can help ourselves and other people. So on that note, I'd like to introduce to you Holly 
Crevo. Uh, she's a woman of many talents, including her podcast called Soberish Uprising, which is amazing. Uh, you can check that out on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can also find Holly on Instagram at Holly Crevo. That's uh, H-O-L-L-Y-K-R-I-V-O and uh, Soberish Uprising on Instagram as well. So let me just give you a quick upgrade background of the premise of her show. And, um, you know, this is partially your word, so I'm totally plagiarizing, but like, uh, (laughs) she offers a space where, uh, we can share all versions of sobriety. She believes labeling sobriety as black and white is a limitation to those who know they want to do things differently and complete sobriety doesn't work for them. And the soberish uprising, they share soberish stories and the freedom that comes when we say no to booze. Um, and so Holly is a former heavy drinker who started a soberish journey in 2021, um, just celebrated a birthday also, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about. Um, and her world has never been the same. She believes like in all things in life, we have to choose a path that works for us and is dedicated to sharing her soberish story so that others can see it doesn't have to be a certain way. She is leading the charge to make soberish the new norm. Amen to that. That's amazing. Amanda, I need you to pump me up every morning. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the great intro. It's so, so, so good. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to have you because I love your perspective and um, I got to be on your podcast. And so we've had several conversations already, but I'm, I'm just really excited because you, you kind of uh, represent Exactly what my goals are too, which is like, Mm -hmm. I feel like everything in life is a spectrum. And back in the day, I feel like things were more black and white in many areas. And and it's like, it's okay. Like you don't, it doesn't have to be, especially for people who may have an all or nothing type of mentality, which is why so many people just relapse over and over and over Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's either like all or nothing. And then you realize, oh, wait there could potentially be options in the middle, like you're saying that work for different people. So I want to start with an icebreaker. Like if your life had a theme song, what would it be? I love this question. I I think mine would be Bon Jovi. It's my life. Two reasons. Nice. One is like that motivation, like now or never. Like I've always kind of had that like draw, like let's go. And I think too, um, I've made probably a lot of non or unconventional decisions, life choices in my life. And really like it's my life, it's nobody else's. So I'm going to kind of do it the way I want to do it. So I think that kind of encompasses like a life story. I almost broke out into song because I love that song so much. <laughs> you kind of like have to rock out, right? Oh, by the way, yeah, I have I have a cold. I just got back from a bunch of travel, so my, my voice sounds froggy. And I'll just apologize for that. So no worries. Um, so can you take us back through kind of what it was like for you when you were um, a heavy drinker, just so you know we have the context. Yeah, no, thanks. So I think, you know, for me, when I was probably at the end before I started this journey, I mean, it was daily, at least a glass of wine, most likely two, because you can't like leave a bottle. Oh, you know, if you're splitting with a partner, you can't just like leave it. Why would I have leftover wine? Exactly. You know, so one or two glasses a night on the weekends, it was day drinking, it was going to brunch. It was a consistent, I would say it was like a leading character in my life, right? Like it was always of course, we're going to go out and have a glass of wine. Like, I don't understand why we wouldn't, right? We're going to take a 
of course, I'm going to have a glass of wine at the airport. It was just such a consistent piece of my life. You know, and it wasn't, I, you know, it wasn't a, I hit rock bottom, I had to change, but it was like a consistent, like really freaking close to rock bottom, right? Really close Mm. to like my rock bottom of like, I was tired a lot. I was lethargic. I was probably, I don't want to, I'm not against emotions. I think emotions are wonderful. I think we should all be probably crying more. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was not like these emotions, like I wasn't in control. Like it was like, I had just given all my power away to yeah. booze. Right. And on the flip side, I was still starting business. We had moved overseas. I was like, I was still like on the outside looked like, oh, she's got it all together. But yeah. I was exhausted. I was tired of letting myself down. I was tired of suppressing this like feeling inside of like this, you've got to be better than this. So again, it wasn't, I would say it was probably daily drinking and on the weekends, you know, a little more going three or four days without a drink. I was like really, really proud of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I really, it's interesting because most of the people, I mean, I've, I'm coming up on 10 years, uh, Mm -hmm. clean and sober. And like, I've been in hundreds, thousands, probably of AA meetings and, mm-hmm. and all different types of meeting, but meetings, but predominantly AA. And it's so funny because when we talk about that, we call it qualifying or like sharing your story type of deal. Mm-hmm. And those stories are like, well, I crashed my car and I was facing a prison sentence. And then I, you know, our stories are typically, so when I would hear people mm-hmm. come in to share stories like this, I was like, that doesn't sound that bad, you know, because to to get me where I was with my disease or my addiction or whatever, like you would have to, you were going to have to pry it from my cold dead hands. Like it was, it was going to have to be so horrible. So I'm always kind of inspired by and like impressed by people who took the hint like way earlier, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know, your life didn't have to burn all the way down. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I would say the majority of people, that's kind of where they are. They're somewhere on that path. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for some of us, it it would lead to, you know, death, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, being institutionalized or whatever. But a lot of other people, it's it's not going to lead to that, right? It's just going to be this kind of like, I'm tired all the time and I'm not living up to my potential. I don't feel proud of myself. And I used to think that because for someone like me, as long as the consequences were still manageable, mm. then I was going to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yours well, to me, that sounds very manageable. Like, yeah, that's annoying, but it's also, right. it's fine. Um, whereas yeah. a lot yeah. of people that I'm around, it wasn't fine. Like we're talking mm-hmm. about, you're going to lose your freedom. You're going to lose your house, your kids, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. So I just always well, think it's, it's so like- cool to hear. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Well, it's almost like it's a slow death of like your potential and your capabilities, right? It was like a slow. Yeah. And looking back, it, I don't want to say it's worse because again, it wasn't like I was, you know, because th- there's the extremes, but it was enough where like, I was saying I wanted to do one thing and I wouldn't do it because alcohol was in place. Like it was right. slowly killing the things that I wanted to do. And first, and I'm sure you're the same way, like the, the, what, I want to accomplish big things in my life. I want to experience, I'm going to have all these things. And you're like, I'm not gonna be able to do it if I continue to do that, which felt like a slow, like, you know, death by a thousand cuts or something like that, as opposed to like losing my arm. (laughs) For sure. 
No, it makes yeah. it makes complete sense. So did you ever do you or did you try other things first? Yeah. You know what? I didn't. I never went to like any meetings. I mean, I read a bunch. I mean, I remember reading Quit Like a Woman yeah. in the bathtub with a glass of wine. Like <laughs> I, that's like such a vivid moment. Like I'm like, that sounds interesting. Maybe one day, you know, yeah. that would just, but I didn't, I know I do remember, I, I don't remember if I talked about it in therapy. I do remember talking to a coach about it, which is yeah. interesting. That was in probably 2018, just being like, I don't know if I'm drinking too much. Like, I don't know if this is working, but again, well, you know, of course, like I can't, do X, Y, Z and have a drinking problem. I'm totally okay. And so, you know, I didn't do any type of, I guess I didn't identify somebody who had that big of a problem to go to rehab, to go to AA or anything like that. Right. True or false. I don't know that that's an accurate perception, but at that time, that's how I kind of felt. Totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I think like I've done that too. I've been, you know, glass in hand, even reading the big book or reading, you know, different things or, or like even lately I've been like, when am I going to just agree to age gracefully? Like, you know, no more highlights, no more (laughs) Botox, no more. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to start next time. It's time for a re-up. I'm just not going to do it. And then the reality comes of like, Oh my God, I'm, get, I'm definitely good. But it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to quit drinking on Monday. Um, but it's easy to say oh that when I had a little gosh. buzz going. I had a little buzz going, so I felt like I could yeah. get anything done. And then when the reality of like, holy shit, you mean I have to live my life without any anesthesia? Like, never mind. And yeah, it's crazy. Like, theoretically, as long as I had a glass in my hand of something, I could, I could dream about not drinking. Mm-hmm. And I loved researching how I was going to do it. I didn't want to do it, but I like to think about if I ever quit drinking, how, how am I going to do it? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, don't they say that like, I mean, they, you know, the science behind, like, if you plan a vacation, it's like you're on vacation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like, there's things like if you're in the mode, it's like manifestation or vision, whatever you want. Th- it is that thought of like, if yeah. I talk about going to the gym and eating healthy as I eat my cookie dough, like it's still a possibility in my, like my subconscious is like, oh, we're going to lose weight and be fit. And you're like, not if you continue to do what you're doing. Right. But you feel like you're doing it because you're thinking about it or reading about it or talking about it. A hundred percent. Yeah. So what, what was the hardest part of making this change for you? Would you say? Yeah, this is this is a question that I feel always a little um, not apprehensive of sharing because this this change, this moment in my time life where I made the change was easy, but and and but it was five ten years before of stopping and starting and beating myself up and so so it was like this this chapter of this book felt easier this time. Yeah, But it didn't mean for years before it was like I had tried and stopped and just uh, kind of accepted this is who I am. And so I think this one felt easier because it was so aligned with like, I cannot be a woman who consumes alcohol at this rate and do the things I want to do. Like it was right. an internal shift for me of a value of an alignment that felt different than before. So I would say, you know, the hardest part was maybe just like not letting my mindset be like, you've done it before. You can't do it again. Like, okay, you're going to go back to your old ways. So maybe those like inner talks, but it wasn't that, you know, this, this time was easy, but it was literally probably 10 years plus of thinking like, this probably isn't right. Like this should be different. Yeah. So it's not that it was simple. It was like the years and years up to it made it feel like it was like an overnight success. Yeah. But that was like 
not the case. And I think that's true. That's such a great insight. And I love, I always love your honesty and, and, you know, it's like, it's like somebody loosening the jar over and over and then someone walks Mm -hmm. up and just pops it open. It's kind of like that same thing for me too. Cause like I had been wanting to and trying to, and I just could not stay stopped. And so when it finally Mm -hmm. happened, it looked like some miracle where Mm -hmm. one day I was just able to get sober, you know, but no, it had been thousands of like conversations, beating myself up, trying different things, this and that, and, and trying to control my drinking, which is our literature says is the greatest fantasy of all problem drinkers is like, we just want to learn how to control it. I don't want to stop doing it. I just want to do it without getting the consequences that I've been getting for someone like me. That is not a possibility. Once it's in my system, it is bleep bleep. Like, yeah, I won't even, you know, but not everyone's like that. And I think, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing about people who can do it in a controlled Mm -hmm. way. It just fascinates me. Like it totally fascinates me because I don't want to control my drinking. If I have to control how much I take, why bother? Like that's not because I drink for oblivion. I don't drink for fun. I don't drink for relaxation. I I drink to like not have to deal (laughs) with with my thoughts, with my life, with whatever, you know, uh, my emotions. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm curious for you, Amanda, when you like talk about like, what was that? Like that was the time that you actually made the change, you know, 10 years since you have a drink. Was that hard for you? Like kind of similar, like similar, but different from my situation or did it feel? No, it wasn't. Yeah. It felt like a relief. I, I felt relieved. I was like, I finally stopped waging war on myself. I just, it was really weird because I knew in my bones that it was over. I just knew it was over and I felt this peace and I knew it was going to be really hard. And I wasn't looking forward to all the work I was about to have to do on myself, but like <clears throat> it was going to be less hard than what I was doing. And I knew yeah. that. <clears throat> and so it felt like a huge <clears throat> relief. But before that, I would say I would quit and I would quit for a while, but I never felt the relief because I knew in the back of my mind that I was going to do it again. Mm -hmm. I was not done. And I always felt it. I just instinctively knew that. And for whatever reason, this last time when I said it and I did it, I was like, it's really over. It's really over this time. Oh my goodness. So no, it wasn't. But like you said, it, it, it looked easy if you had seen it from the outside in that moment where I just made that decision. Mm-hmm. I joined a thing. I got a sponsor. I worked the steps and I worked my ass mm-hmm. off in my program since that day. So like, but the years before that of just circling the drain was mm-hmm. hellish, you know? Yeah. 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 And yeah. And I think we need to be talking about that more, right? Cause people are like, well, I'm not like you, you're different. Like you have this willpower and you have all this stuff. I'm like, no, like first of all, it has nothing to do with willpower. Like it, yeah. This was not, I just didn't decide one day and I'm like, oh, everything's great. You're like, no, I've been like contemplating and marinating in this stuff for yes. years. Yes. And normal, normal people, people with who, ha- let me say people who have normal relationships, healthy relationships mm-hmm. with alcohol, don't really think about that or ask themselves those questions because yeah. they're able to still accomplish everything they want and do all the things. Mm-hmm. And it's only when you have to privately, when I had to privately start asking myself, something is wrong. (laughs) Like, uh, something is off here. And I started comparing my drinking and my behavior to people around me. And I was like, 
you know, and I didn't start drinking or using or having any addiction issues until I was 29. So, and my mm-hmm. life was very successful from the outside. And so you could never have convinced me that I had any type of addiction to anything. I am in full control. Thank you very much. Like mind your own business type of deal. Yeah. yeah. And then it proceeded to progress and, and really kind of ruined my life there for a while. So um, what is the most useful thing that's probably a really hard question, but that you've learned from your collection of interviews with your guests, like mm. maybe it's a handful, maybe you don't want to pick just one, but yeah, I think two things. I think every single person has been like, I had a whisper. I had a note. I had something that I knew I should be doing differently. Like yeah. every single person, even if it was like, whether they were blackout drinking or just like moderate, but it was effect. No matter, you know, I had a lot of people have health issues. So even a little bit of drinking like derails their life, yeah. right? So it's yeah. like, or people are blacking out drunk. They're like, I had a whisper and knowing, and I ignored it like for so long. So I think that's a common thread. And also, what I think is fascinating too is like, just like me and just like you shared, so many people are like, it took me two, three, five, ten years to actually do something about it. Yeah. So it just shows the power it has from society, from media, from we're taught everything. And so I think those two pieces of like, you know, I all I knew I had this knowing and then also like I still didn't do anything about it. And these are successful women and men who like know how to get shit done too, right? They're not people that are like, I don't know, like I'm like, girl, you know, you've like you're a physician, you're an executive, like you know how to like do things. So it's like I think those two are always like so key because it's in every single conversation I have, those two almost always come up. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. And we think, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like I have to be the only person who cannot get a handle Mm -hmm. on this. Mm -hmm. And then that's why a fellowship was so important to me because it was like, we call it a heart shaped mirror, but like you hear your experiences Mm -hmm. reflected back to you. So you automatically feel accepted. You don't feel judged you you're like, Oh my God, it's not just me. Like there are this phenomenon Mm -hmm. that makes no sense because that was my problem. I kept running it through my logic filter and it wasn't, it wasn't working because I controlled and I could handle anything in my life. I could strong arm anything in my life to bend Mm -hmm. it to my will, except for this. And so I could not figure out why can I control it? Like what's, you know, what's wrong with me? And and then you find out that all these other people are suffering silently and they look like, like everything's perfect on the outside. And my ego, I didn't want to admit, like, I have a, yeah, I am not okay. I am not yeah. as strong as I look. Like, I didn't want to have to mm, say all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's a lot well, of it's it. It's so fascinating too. Like you said, you look around and that's why sometimes I'm always, I always identify as a heavy drinker because that's eight drinks a week for women. And I'm like, I know you make people be like, ooh, that's a lot. I'm like, but stop and look at your drinking. Cause like my drinking wasn't any different than my social circles that I right. saw. Yeah. Like I wasn't the only one they were like, oh, Holly's always, you know, I mean, maybe a little bit more, but nothing that it was like, you know, so like you said, you look around, you're like, I guess it's just me that has this internal conflict of like this not working anymore because so and so everybody else looks like really good. And then you find out they have crippling anxiety and doubt and lack of confidence and all these things that we know come from when you drink and you're like, oh shit, like I'm not alone. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. So 
I, I have seen, uh, like stuff with, about you and your brother and mm-hmm. like you interviewed him and just, I don't know. I, I have brothers and, um, I don't know. I just find it very endearing. So I love the relationship that you have mm-hmm. with him that Thank I've you. seen. Um, and given that you're not in a traditional recovery community, like, you know, with a kind of a built-in support system, how important is it to have his support? And, mm-hmm. you know, how did you go and identify your, you know, friend group or your support system mm-hmm. uh, in recovery? Because as we know, alcohol is at the center of yeah. all socializing that we do here in this country or maybe in the world, but like work Mm -hmm. and friends and celebrating and grieving and like everything is around alcohol. So it's, it's for me, I need that, that built in Mm -hmm. community of sober friends. But like, how did you do that? Given that you don't have meetings you go to or whatever? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I mean, I, I, absolutely adore my brother. He's one of the very best humans on this planet. And he was a big catalyst for why I even, you know, he got sober February, right before the world shut down 2020. Yeah, he was living by himself. We had moved overseas. He had moved our house. He was taking care of our dog. So he was like in a house with two dogs by himself. And he was just like, this isn't gonna, I can't do this. And so he was such a good support for me because I would be like, hey, do you think I have a drinking problem? And he's like, if you're asking yourself, you may, like, I don't know. You know, he was so supportive and encouraging, but also like, you should totally get sober. And this is what it looks like. He was very open to like, you should explore what this looks like for you. So he was such a key person for me. You know, my mother was great. My wife, Katie was great. Her support looked a little different in that she was also like, oh, you're changing now. Right. Like, so that kind of adapted a little, which is interesting. So, you know, I don't know that I had I'm still honestly looking for like the sober support. That's still something I have not like found. I have some great friends that are just, we, I didn't know that when I met them. Um, But as far as, you know, friend support, I think it was, I was very clear in letting people know like, Hey, I'm not drinking. I don't, doesn't bother me if you do, but like, I'm going to have a mocktail or I'm going to bring my own drink. So they were supportive that everybody respected my decision. Yeah. But I did feel I think my brother was such a key point for me. And then I ended up meeting a friend probably three or four months in who's one of my dearest friends. And she's been, she was on my podcast. She's been sober, you know, six, seven years now. Because it was kind of isolating. Like I said, I still don't know that I found that like sober community yet, especially yeah. like a sober ish, like this space of like women who are like, oh, I don't know. Right. Like, I don't want to click. Cause like sobriety to me is like, I'm just always in awe. And like I would never compare my journey to somebody like that. But I think overall, I had a lot of people respected my decisions. And then yeah. I think I had a small but mighty group of support that I could go to yeah. and like talk to about it. That's the main thing. And I know, like I just got back from a work thing in Denver. Um, and mm. I, if I had counted how many club sodas with lime I had to consume through the hours and hours of, you know, socializing mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And it does kind of now I feel very strong and stable in my recovery. But early on, those those situations mm-hmm. were difficult. And it was always nice to know that I could text someone or go mm-hmm. in a bathroom stall and say the serenity prayer, you know, if I needed a yeah. second to kind of so it's interesting to me how people um, find their support, you know, and not mm-hmm. someone who's going to tell you what to do or tell you that you're yeah. doing something wrong. Cause that's the worst. Like, no, but that's not mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. But exploring and, and, you know, 
listen, one of the most helpful things for me having a community and it's changed, it's evolved so much over the years, but like just to hear people speaking and to remember like, yeah, I'm not alone. Cause my mind will yeah. still try to tell me like, you're the only person who thinks that you're the only person who feels this way. Like, <laughs> you're, you're the only so broken bad. person. Nobody, everybody else is perfect. Yeah. It's, just, it's such a nice reminder to sit with your people and just be like, okay, yeah, this is a thing. Yeah. Like it's, you know, that terminal uniqueness that we talk about. Um, you're not that special. Okay. Like, yeah. I'm like, we are all unique beings and we're also not at all. Like, so it's like this weird dichotomy of like, yes, like nobody can change the world like Amanda Patton. And also like, she has the same shit that everybody else has. Exactly. It's so it's like such a interesting. Well, and I think it shows the power of sharing too, right? What you do, what yeah. I do. Like I got a lot of support. For, it sounds weird, like support slash encouragement from people who were just like, I didn't know this. Like, I'm so proud. I've thought about it. I wanted to change. So even that just makes it feel less weird. Yes. Right. Yes. Like strangers. Like I've had multiple people when I'm out, like blitz be like, I love what you're doing. I think it could be for me one day, but not now, but I watch all your stuff. And I'm like, that's great. Like, good for you. You'll get there when you need to. Yes. <laughs> like, you planted the seed. And if you, if you yes. need, yes. Yeah. I, um, I was just telling my daughter that, you know, having this out in the world can be scary because mm-hmm. people will judge and people will look down mm-hmm. or have questions or maybe misunderstanding, but like, that's not on me. That's not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. It, I feel compelled to share and to, you yeah. know, try to help other people and like get rid of the secrecy thing that we have going on around this whole thing. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing is even at work events, people will tell me stuff. They'll just tell me things about their personal life or they'll say, I really struggled in college with Adderall or my dad had a drinking problem and, and he got sober and it changed the, the, our family or people just tell me stuff. And I, love it because it humanizes, you know, but it just, yeah, I don't know anyone that hasn't been touched in some way by this type of thing, right? you know, whether yeah. it's themselves or someone they know, coworkers, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also too, I think it's, yeah. And the shame that we care about whatever it is, right? Like it cannot be alcohol or drugs. Maybe it's eating disorder. Or like my mom is funny. You know, I don't think she'd care sharing. She's her whole thing was like busyness. Like she thinks her addiction is being busy and accomplishing. She's like how much I lost out on life yeah. just trying to do this, not, you know, these things. So I think it's so important to be like, if it's not alcohol, like we're all carrying something around with us. Right. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. I've yet to meet anybody who doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really want to know those people anyway, because that, that's boring. <laughs> yeah. You know? No trauma. So lame. No trauma. So <laughs> boring. Well, so how did you know that it was safe to try controlled drinking? Mm. Like, did you just fail miserably the first few times that you were like, you know what, I'm only going to have one or two drinks? Or was it just sort of like a thing that you're like, this is how I'm going to... Because for... In AA, there's this joke when a newcomer comes around, they're like, oh, I think I overreacted. I'm probably not actually an alcoholic. I think I'm going to go just try a couple of drinks. And we encourage people to go try some controlled drinking. And if you can, mm-hmm. you're probably not an alcoholic. Right. If you can't, then you'll find out and you'll be back and we'll be here waiting mm-hmm. for you. No judgment. Like, go do what yeah. you need to do. Yeah, yeah. So, like, how did you – did it worry you? Were you scared or – how did you figure out the formula, I guess, of like, here's how often I'm going to drink. This is how much I'm going to drink. Like, how did that work? It's really interesting. That's a great question. I think like I didn't, 
first of all, I was like, it has to be, again, I didn't, saying I was never going to drink for the rest of my life. If I would have said that, I would still be drinking. Maybe not. It just felt, (laughs) (laughs) it felt like too much. So depressing. (laughs) Like sobriety is the best thing in the world. And also that sounds really terrible. So (laughs) terrible decision. Recommend, but also no. I love it. I love your honesty, right? Because of one day at a time, right? Which I know is a big thing. But for me, it was like, it has to be I have to try something different because what I'm doing isn't working. Right. So yes. like it has to be something different. And yes, yeah. I've done the, okay, I'm going to have one drink a day or, you know, one drink every three or four days. I'm not drinking till the weekends. I'm doing two weeks, blah, 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 like for years. And I don't think it was, and again, sobriety felt too much, but I, again, I don't think I saw another option and I was like, I've got to try something different. And so when I started out, I did I ended up going, my goal was 70 days of no booze. And that would have been the longest I've ever gone. Like I've not Mm -hmm. had kiddos. I've had no reason to not drink since I started drinking. Right. So for me, I was like, I'm going to do 70 days. It turned into a hundred through that. I got like crystal clear on like, this can't be, I can't go back to what I'm doing. Like, I just can't do that anymore. Like I felt better. I was more patient. My anxiety decreased, like all the reasons. And again, especially having it out of my body for, you know, three and a half months, And then from then, it's like, I'm just, you know, that's how I think, sorry, back to your question of how I knew it would work. Like, I didn't know it would, but I was just like really freaking hopeful it would. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise I was like, I'm not going to quit drinking forever. So it was like, then I just continue to do what I do. And then yeah, here I am. But the thing of like all those little things of you wake up feeling good and you get to your workouts and you're productive and you don't have that anxiety Mm -hmm. and that it's just like, we call it the pink cloud because it doesn't last for very long because of the fact mm-hmm. that it becomes your new normal. So it's amazing in the beginning to wake up without hangovers. Yeah. You feel good. You get your workout in. You're like kicking ass at work. Like you're just like, I am on fire. But then you ex- you learn to expect that because you it's it's just your new existence. Yeah. And then the real stuff of like all the emotions you've been running from, like, how do I resolve conflict? How do I set boundaries with my family? Like, it's the shit that yeah. got me into trouble in the first place. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. know how to deal with that. So I just didn't. I just drank yeah. instead. And now you're doing um, it sober. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me that you were able to kind of um, experiment with that. And then, you know, you've got that, like you said, that clarity of like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what this is going to look like exactly moving forward, but I know this experiment has proven to me that like, I, I'm not going to go do that anymore. You know, hundred percent that it was that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I have enough evidence now and data to know that I, my life feels so much better. I can still go and have a great time. I can still have fun. I can still travel. I can do all these things sober. And that doesn't mean that first year wasn't, you know, trying. I had, we were in a new city. My dad passed away, like transition jobs. Like I had a lot of stuff come up. And so then that right. was also great experimentation to be like, all right, are you going to like, you know, drink to deal with your dad's death? Cause we did not have a great relationship or do you want to feel really clear so you can feel really good about how that ends. Right. So I think it's, but I think it was that I was like, okay, this feels good. I like, why would I go back to what I was doing? Like yeah. I felt like shit the past six years. Yeah. I feel really good after a hundred days. Like, why would I go back? It doesn't even make sense. It's so true. And I think you mentioned therapy. So like, of course, that's another mm-hmm. tentacle of like mm-hmm. how we recover and how we 
relearn, unlearn, Mm -hmm. reconcile, like all these things. And I think a lot of people do what's in the big book on their own through therapy, Mm -hmm. through repairing Mm -hmm. relationships, through learning how to nurture and love yourself instead of, you know, put poison into your system, you know, day in, day out, like all these things that naturally come out of just stopping the poisoning first to where our minds can heal, our bodies can heal, Mm -hmm. our sleep gets better, like Mm -hmm. all these, you know, in our relationships. But um, I think when talking because I lost my dad last year to cancer and like he was just very young and strong and healthy and then he was gone and did I want to check out like of course yeah Yeah. I really really did and I don't care how long you've been sober like I didn't want to feel all that stuff but I got to choose something different which is feel it all be sad show up for my family experience it clean up as much of the wreckage of the past as we could before he passed. Cause we also had a very complicated, um, relationship. Um, mm-hmm. and it brought up a lot of childhood stuff and things that I thought I got rid of in therapy years ago. And no, it's still there. <laughs> so like, yeah, I like so to I come back sometimes like, I thought I fixed that. I thought we fixed that. And you're like, I nope. can find the journal entries where we spent three months talking about this shit and, and yet years ago and yet somehow, but it was healthy. Yeah. It is healthy to like have to, mm-hmm. you know, but of course my, my instinct is to like, let's just uh, drink through this to where we don't have to, you know, deal yeah. with it. And that, that's what impresses me about people who are able to have this balance of mm-hmm. you're not using alcohol to fix or to run mm-hmm. or to, it's not a medicine in your life. Yeah like it was before it's being used as it's intended. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Mm, and that I, yes, yes, yes. yes. To me, I don't even understand that because, you know, unhealthy version of like my relationship with any, any mind altering, uh, substance. Mm. Cause there's a lot of people who are sober, California sober, as we call it, who like still smoke a lot of weed or like maybe they take this or do that or whatever. And, um, I'm too afraid that I'll get kind of caught up again. Yeah. That, makes that I just sense. kind of avoid it, you know? Yeah. And I'm sorry about your dad. And Oh, thank you. It's hard. That's hard to go through. It yeah. really is. Especially well, I like when- think back, I'm like, I'm so grateful that I had that. Cause like we, you know, cause he, I was, you know, the last six months of his life, I was able to, you know, process and then deal. And I'm so grateful. Cause I don't think I would have been present. I don't think I would have, it was hard enough to show up sober <laughs> that yeah. if I was drinking, I, that would have been a really hard thing. So I'm, I'm grateful because now I can, now that he's gone, I can like feel peace that I did what I could. Yeah. I'm totally. Present. And I'll, should, yeah. I'll always be grateful for that. Yeah. And I think too, I know in recovery, we talk a lot about gratitude and, mm. and so the old version of me would have totally been, I don't know, probably drinking through that. If I had even been able to show up for all of the hospice and all the Mm -hmm. stuff at the end that we all needed to experience together as a family. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I would have been focused on the resentment and the bad memories and the regret and just all the yuck Mm -hmm. of it instead of Mm. the beautiful parts of our relationship and the fact that we, you know, it's just a, it's just a perspective shift and I agreed to be there with all the feelings, um, which Brene Brown says all the time, you cannot selectively numb 
certain emotions. Like if you are going to feel them and agree to the human condition, we have to agree to the whole spectrum, which, you know, some of it's really shitty. Like you just, I love you. Yeah. And that's such a great insight. Like, and I love you share that because it's like, we think that we can, and we, it works for a little bit, right? Like numb, like sadness, anger, resentment, but like not knowing, yeah, but you're also numbing joy, gratitude, happiness, connection. Like, like you said, you don't get to pick and choose. And so this whole time you're like, yeah, I'm numbing the pain, but like I'm numbing the joy. And like, you don't even know it because you're drinking yeah. to numb the pain and you're like, but the joy is not there. And you're like, yeah, because it's all just getting like suppressed. And so right. thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's so important. Like yeah. we don't think about that. Well, and I think too, that saying of like, you know, the problem with, with feelings, when we bury our feelings is they're buried alive, meaning like they're going to come back. They will manifest. They're going to come out sideways, either in overworking, overeating, over shopping, drinking, using like whatever your, your thing is Mm -hmm. just because we suppress them or numb them doesn't mean they went away. They're just going to wait there and fester. And eventually we will deal with it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing. So my Mm. next question is kind of what's your number one tool or advice for leaving an unhealthy relationship with alcohol or anything else that limits Mm -hmm. us? You have that like one go-to, um, and that's probably a very hard question, but like what, what comes to mind? I think it's like, I don't know if it's like a, I think it's like kind of a, a go-to, but like it just a tip to like, say is like, first of all, like honor that feeling, right? Honor that knowing, like I said, all my guests were like, I kind of knew, right? So just like honor it and like explore it, like have fun with it. Like look at it as data. Like don't, you know, I talk a lot about problems and like, yeah, it's a drinking problem, but like give yourself the space to be like, okay, but what is that? Like, why am I drinking? What does that mean? What would it look like? Cause I think so so many times it scares us and we just are like, as you said, we push it down. Right. So just like, we are smart, intuitive creatures, right? Like we know when something is not aligned with us. Yes. We know. And honestly, for me right now, it's social media. I'm like, I'm spending too much stupid time on there and it's not good for me. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm killing time. You like, oh, yeah. it's just like, so for me, that's one thing that I'm like, honor that gut. That's like, Holly, like cut it out, go for a walk, you know, go sit outside with your dog, whatever. But like the tip is just like, trust yourself to know that there's something there. And then explore it with grace and kindness, right? Explore it to say, okay, what does this mean? Because so we we get fear and then like, well, then I have to keep drinking forever. And then my spouse isn't going to like me. And then like, what am I going to do in his social situation? Like we just like spiral as opposed to like, no, what does this mean? Like, what does this mean? And just like, be curious with it. Like the yeah. point of your podcast, like, just be curious with it. I love that. That is really good advice. It's really good, solid advice. It's not like tactical. I mean, it is tactical because it is like, right. We just, because I can't tell you what to do with your drinking. You can't tell somebody what to do, but like, trust yourself, know yourself, explore. Like I call it all the time. Like it's data that I find. I'm like, Oh, interesting. I really wanted to drink when we had company in town, we were doing renovations on our house and I was on my period. Interesting. Okay. That's when my, that's when I like want to go do something. Yeah. Hmm, Not going to do that. (laughs) I don't know if you ever listened to the bubble hour or read any of her books, but Jean McCarthy talks about that. And she, she talks about, she has a blog called unpickled and several books and it's, it's all about, Mm, okay. Yeah. She talks about something like anytime you're craving like that, that feeling of like, holy shit, I want to drink. Right. Like, first of all, yes. Why what's going on? What's underneath that? But also it's just us wanting comfort. And when she said mm-hmm. that, I was like, oh my 
God, yes, it's a, it's a form of comfort. And so now for me, it's a walk, it's a meditation, it's a cup of tea. It's like these very Girl Scout wholesome, like very different (laughs) from my old, my old life. But like, that's what it is, is I want comfort. I feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. We have guests, they're renovating my house. Like I'm on my period. My hormones make me feel weird. Like I just want to feel better. And we have many, many options to comfort ourselves. There's sometimes it's just like, I'm going to lay here on the couch and watch Netflix and I don't give a crap what anybody thinks about it. Other times for me, I need to be in nature a lot, a Mm -hmm. lot. But the other thing is writing. So like, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. if, why? I'm curious what's going on. And I just start writing stream of consciousness or typing, Mm -hmm. whatever, just like, and then give it a day, go back and read through it. And then in AA, we have the luxury of having someone to share that with, you know, I I need to talk to my sponsor about this because this has been eating my lunch for a while type of deal. But I love that curiosity and flexibility. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to mean anything, right? Because I yeah, didn't, yes, it's not, I didn't mm-hmm. want to be honest with my problem that I was developing because I knew someone was going to make me stop drinking. And so I didn't want to tell anyone because mm-hmm. that was not the answer I was looking for. So I was going to fix yeah. it myself <laughs> first and then yes. maybe go ask for some help. When you fix everything yourself. So of course you'll be able to manage this, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're like, that's what I do. Well, and I think that situation I just shared, it was so interesting because again, I'm open and my decision is like, I'm open to having drinks, but I'm really intentional about why I want it, what it's going to do, where I'm at, what I'm feeling like. So, so that week it was, I was like so curious about it and thinking back a year or two ago, I would have been a little mad. Like, why do you want a drink? You don't need a drink. Instead of being like, oh, Holly, that makes total sense. Like you're stressed, you're hormonal, like things are off. You're going to a baseball game where there's free booze. Like that makes sense that you're wanting to drink you know, and just staying curious yes. with it and be like, oh, now I know. And now I, I didn't have a drink. So it wasn't aligned with how I wanted to show up. Yes. But I but love the curiosity. You, yeah. And I love how you talk about data, like you're gathering evidence and you're, mm-hmm. and you can't do that unless you're asking questions like a scientist, you've got to be asking yes. a lot of yeah. questions. And like, I think, um, I use this analogy a lot with sponsees or just people in general of like, you know, it's not to beat yourself up. It's not to find fault. Mm-hmm. It's just like generally curious, like what is going on with me? Because we have these vast yeah. inner worlds. Most of us don't even know all of the landscape in there and we're learning. And when an athlete looks back at a film, they're not looking at it to be like, man, I really screwed that play up. They're studying it because they want to learn how to do the play better next time. And these yeah. are the elite athletes of the world studying film every week. So it's kind of like, I'm not writing to go, wow, you're a real piece of shit. I'm writing to understand what is going on with me and then find ways to comfort Mm -hmm. myself, reassure myself, um, look at what I've done, right. Look at what's going well instead of Mm -hmm. X, Y, Z. So yeah, I love, love that analogy. And I love how you're so open to, you know, exploring. And when I listen to the pod, your podcast, your guests are so diverse in terms mm-hmm. of like their experiences and everything. And so it's, it's just, it's, this is a very unique experience for people. 
Mm-hmm. So when you're, you share on Instagram a lot about the A to Z concept. Um, so like, where does that come from? How did you, why did you come up yeah. with that? And like, give us, maybe give us a couple of your favorites. Cause I love those. They're quick little snippets that I'm like, yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, first of all, it's like, as you know, you do, you like having consistency in your content. I'm like, Ooh, that'll give me something to go to every week. Although I've not yes. been as consistent as I would have liked, but that's okay. Yes. And I think for me, there's just so much to explore when you're like, I don't think people realize like, oh, I just quit drinking. And that's that you're like, so much comes out of it, right? Like, yeah, just new, new awarenesses, you have things that are harder than you thought things that are changes insights. And so for me, it was just kind of a following the hodgepodge of what I've discovered over the past two years. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one was ego, which I thought was really, you know, you talked about the ego piece, like when you yeah. have to admit that you're like, what I've been doing for years, and my identity is tied up in this, like how hard that can be. That was, I think that was a great one that I didn't realize until I kind of made this decision. And it was interesting that one of them was G for gratitude. And I shared it because it was funny, I think I was going to do like guilt or something. And I was like, cleaning my house after a really bad no I was not cleaning I was cooking dinner blaring Taylor Swift dancing around my house and making dinner yes. after a day that just like about did me in and I was like holy shit like this is not what I would have done I would have like sat on the couch probably I would have ordered takeout I would have had a glass of wine and I was like that's amazing so I like immediately did it just this gratitude for like what has opened up in my life since I've like really figured this not figured out but like found this freedom yeah So really, it's just things that like this, you know, it's just things that come to me that I'm like, people need to know this, because all we do is talk about how bad it will suck to quit drinking and not like, how good it is to not. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I love I like them, too, because you can tell they come from the heart. They don't seem canned or scripted. Mm -hmm. They seem like you're very, it's very like tied to personal experiences that you're having Mm -hmm. or these moments where, you know, when you because I've done that too, where I reacted a certain way in a situation. And then two days later, I'm reflecting going, where are you? Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you, totally. didn't go off. you didn't go off on that person or you didn't do X, Y, Z. Like, yes. but I don't notice it in the moment. It's later mm-hmm. that I'm like, mm-hmm. that is a complete 180. Like I should be so grateful for yes. that, you know? Yes. You're like, look at me, like making better decisions than I would (laughs) have. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like, I think it's, there's so much freedom in that. Mm -hmm. And like, no matter how hard something may be, like I've said, like I said earlier, it was, it was being sober was less hard than that had gotten. And so, and there's this, this guy, like colleague, mentor person. And he always says like, pick your heart, right? Because there's Mm no, it's not going to be easy no matter what. And so like, this is, this is one hard way. The thing about drinking and using for me though, is it was harder. It was getting harder and harder to maintain. You've got to cover up. You've got to tell lies. You've got to try to appear together, you know, and, but all you're generating is like garbage, like resentments and messes and like yuck, 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 this Mm -hmm. mountain of yuck. Whereas the hard in recovery, yes, it is hard sometimes, but it's generating all of this beautiful stuff, this mountain of like 
gratitude mm. and like friendships and like self-care and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. getting to know yourself and instead of dissociating, which is kind of what we do when we're using, right? We just, just mm-hmm. you know, shut off that part of ourselves that really needs to be heard. So yeah, I picked my heart. Like, oh, that's. I love it. And you're working for the hard for something better, not for like yeah. shit. Right? At least like, if I drink, I'm, it's going to be hard. And it's like, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. It's kind of like workouts or whatever. It's like, this is really hard, but like, look at all the benefits that my body is getting from this or, or, yeah. you know, it's harder yeah. to pick healthy food. It's harder to choose that lifestyle sometimes when you're mm-hmm. eating out, yeah. you know, or doing whatever, but it's worth it because look at what it yields, you know? Yeah. So when I get discouraged or if I have to take the high road in a situation because I don't want to have to like, you know, make an amends. And so I'm like, why do I have to, why do I have to be the one to do the right thing? This is exhausting. Everybody else does whatever they want, you know? And when I get into that like type of situation, I'm like, yeah, but look at how good you feel when you make these better choices, Mm -hmm. you know? But then also when we, yeah. when I don't make a good choice, which happens all the time, it's okay. Like it's not the yeah. end of the world. And yeah. used to, if I would be trying to stay sober and I would make one little mistake or one little thing would happen, it was mm-hmm. like, forget it. I'm drinking. Yeah. You know? It was so easy to just throw me off my little, and it, and the rule was it had mm-hmm. to go the way I wanted it to go. So if that's your condition for staying sober, that's not going to go well to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. That you just dropped like so many good nuggets right there. That's I, that's, I love that. Which were all stolen from other people. So just, Hey, it's no, but I love this idea of like, it's like, it's hard now. Right. So like, do you want to keep on doing hard stuff and get nothing out of it or hard stuff and have something great come out of it? Yes. Right. And that it's like, you get to choose what you want to do. Well, so I'm going to, let me see. I want to know how your relationships have changed since you've become soberish. Yeah. In general, but also with yourself. Mm, uh, Yeah. I am so much kinder to myself now. I am like, the other song I was going to say was the song is like, I love me by Megan Trainer. Like, it's just like being so kind and gentle and like easy with myself, right? Just so hard on myself and pushing. And yes, I'm still can be hard on myself. But I think for me, it's just being a lot kinder, but also holding myself up more accountable too. like a like a strong love, right? Like also yes. like, you need to like, holding myself accountable, but in a kind way, because there's big things I want to be doing. Yeah, I think kind. And I think with others, it's like just being more present with them. Yeah. You know, and some relationships have shifted just because things shift when alcohol is not like the core of your relationship. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. Like that's fine to let friends go and they can come back and there's no judgment. And that goes also to being kind to myself. Right. Cause connection and friendship is really important to me. So I've learned to like, okay, well that's okay. Like go in and out. Um, but I think kindness for myself is a big one. I love that. It's so huge. It's so, it's so huge. And I think like somebody one time, uh, referred to addiction as kind of this, this form of self-harm. 
And like, I had never thought of it that way because for me, it was self-preservation. It was coping. It was, it was my reward. And I really saw it as a form of self-love. Like I'm going through a lot. I'm super stressed. Like I deserve a drink. I deserve an Adderall or a Xanax or whatever I feel like taking. And then later looking at, you know, that I wasn't, it was, it was a form of self-harm and not in like a Mm shame-based victim blaming type of way, but just, I needed immediate relief. I didn't have any tools Mm -hmm. to get it other than that. So that's what I did, you know, and now I have different tools and I, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've heard many times in the rooms too, of like, don't ever beat yourself up for any of that. You, you did what you needed to do to survive period. Mm -hmm. And that's what you, if you would have known different, like you would have done different. That's, that's it. You know? So I got to be on your podcast and, and we were talking about how most people who don't have a problem with alcohol, Mm -hmm. they aren't asking themselves, do I have a problem with drinking? You know, (laughs) but also the term problem is totally different for every single person. Like what you Mm -hmm. can say a problem, I might not. Cause like when you were describing your experiences in my mind, I was like, that doesn't really sound that bad to me you know, but for you, for you, it was like, Mm -hmm. I want to change my life. I want to change my relationship. So what do you, what would you say is important for people to consider when they find themselves starting to ask these questions, that inner knowing that Mm -hmm. you talked about earlier yeah, and like what to do about it? Yeah. And I think, you know, things, it kind of cut ties back to the knowing, right? So, you know, like, but then it's also like, don't use others problems as a metric for your problems because if I would have talked to you and you're like this is what I'm doing I'm like oh I'm not as bad as Amanda like I'm probably totally fine but that was not the case for me right that was not the case it was like you know I always I've been thinking about this like I may not have had like quote I'm using quotes here drinking problem but my drinking was affecting my mental health my physical health my spiritual health so then it is a problem right so I think for me it's like what is it for you? And the great thing, and that's why I love this soberish, but I also like whatever form of sobriety is like, you can also define your solution, right? You don't have to use Amanda's or Holly's or Bob's or Sally's definition. You can define what works for you because we're all <laughs> unique snowflakes, um, but also <laughs> not. So I think it's that piece of like, if you are curious, like, and then also once you identify, okay, this is like a problem area, try and let go of some of the shame of the problem, right? Because then we can get so hyper-focused on and just use it as data. Okay, wow. Okay, that that's causing problems in my life. Now this is data and I can do something yes. different. Because so often we can just be like, I can't even tell you how many times you're like, well, you didn't have a drinking problem or every podcast goes, well, I didn't have like a drinking, drinking problem. And you're just like, but it was causing some type of disruption in your life. Right. So I think, you know, it's being kind, being curious and like really owning what works for you. Right. right. And that may take a little bit of like journaling, like you said, meditation, support from somebody, but like, don't compare your problems to somebody else. Cause I did it for years and yeah. it's why I didn't do anything about it. Cause it wasn't that bad. That is such good advice. It's so smart and so real. And even in AA, we always talk about look for the similarities, not the differences, because you're going to try to get yourself out of here. 
You're going to try to find a reason why you don't belong here. Your problem's not that bad. And one of our favorite things to do when we first come in is you listen to other people's war stories and you think, I'm not that bad. I don't need this shit. And you leave. And Mm -hmm. I did it many, many, many times. We also have this thing called yet. So, you know, I haven't gotten arrested yet. I haven't lost my house yet. I haven't. So just some, Mm -hmm. to some people, if you're truly an alcoholic, it is a progressive disease. It it is likely that if you keep pushing that those things might come into your life at some point. And every time I would go back, go back out a couple a few more things would happen that I swore would never happen. And then my story started getting closer and closer to these people that I had judged prior. Like, wow, these yeah. people really, really have a drinking problem. But to your point, all I know is it was causing, you know, the word disease, we call it a lot of times that dis-ease. I, there was something that wasn't right. Yes. And we feel it and we know it. And... um it's, it's really hard to put, to put your finger on. And, you know, it's always interesting to me, the spectrum of experiences that people have had, you know, with their relationship with alcohol. Mm. Yeah. And I love hearing you talk about it because it's, it's open, just very open, Mm. you know, and not do it this way. (laughs) Yeah. Cause we don't like that. Nobody, yeah, nobody yeah especially if you're like a high performing ambitious person like nobody tells me what to do yeah, like yeah like but it's that. like we do it right we're like well my problem's not that bad or you know and so it's just we don't do anything but knowing like it it could literally be that you don't get enough sleep that could be enough reason to quit drinking yeah it doesn't have to be you're going to jail for your 50 ui like whatever that is like just know and like honor that and to me there, it's so funny because like my daughter, um, she just turned 30. And so like their mm-hmm. generation has, you know, um, just a different relation. A lot of people, a lot of them don't drink. They just don't want to mm-hmm. deal with it anymore. They don't like how yeah. it makes people act. They don't like this, it's whatever. It's this like conversation about, you know, so we're curious and like this, this middle road, um, type of thing. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting how, you know, people are just a lot more aware of it, especially because it's such a big deal in our culture. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. not only is it readily available and um, celebrated, it's actually encouraged. And Mm -hmm. if you're at things and you're not having a drink in your hand, people just cannot deal with it. (laughs) They they just, (laughs) why, but why, why don't you drink? Can I get you a drink? Just like, Oh my God, no. Cause it's such a big deal. I know. Right. So we'll, we'll wrap up with, this question, which is always hard to answer, I think, but like, what is your, what's your favorite thing about being soberish, like your life now? What's, mm. what really sticks out to you? Mm. I want to say everything, <laughs> but that's not a very, <laughs> all, I think, you know, there's two things like, yeah, everything feels better. One, I am not actively working against myself to do the things that I want to do right? It's like, girl, we're on the same team here. Quit doing shit that's stopping you from doing the things you want to do, right? So I'm not actively waking up feeling bad. I'm not like, I am like, I am like in cahoots with myself now, right? Where I used to like not be. So I'm not like actively. And then the second thing is like, I just continue to keep a promise to myself of like, I'm just not a woman that like, lets booze get in the way of what she wants to do. Yeah. And that promise 
changes everything, right? It gives you the confidence, it gives you the clarity, it gives you the physical feeling good. And so I think it's, you know, those two things of knowing like, we're on the same team here. And we keep that promise to ourselves to be aligned with how we want to show up, what we're going to do in this world. And I didn't have that consistently when I was drinking, maybe blurbs, right? But not like, I don't think I've had a day since I've like quit or been on this journey that I haven't felt that. Yeah. That is so, it reminds me, this friend in recovery, she always says, I'm a, I'm a sober woman with integrity. And she, mm. because she was trying to model that for herself because we have these weird inner conversations where we're sabotaging. There's one yeah. part of us that wants to sabotage or the other part that wants to support. Like, it's just very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you were just saying was, because the word integrity, like it's an integration, yeah. right? It's an integration mm-hmm. of like what I say I am and what I actually mm-hmm. am, what my intentions mm-hmm. are, what, and what my actions are like that, that real integration, which is what integrity is, right? I, I show yeah. up as who I say I am. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean I don't have shitty mm-hmm. days. Doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means totally. I am on my own team. Like you said, that's like the best thing I've ever heard because that's where a lot of that self-loathing comes from is we continuously Mm -hmm. like sabotage ourselves and then you can't help but hate yourself for it. And it just becomes this thing, this loop. And then when you finally break out of that, it's like, like you're protecting and caring for yourself, your six-year-old self Mm -hmm. or your 47-year-old self in my case, like, no, I'm going to do what's right for myself. Um, you know, and like you said, it yeah. means sometimes relationships will have to go friendships. Um, maybe you change your career path. Maybe it's going to change your life. Like that's going to yeah, change sure. a lot. And that's a hard thing too. Even though mm-hmm. letting go of some of that toxic, I had a lot of toxic stuff in my life that I didn't realize was toxic. Um, just like gossip or just, certain things that when we were drinking together, we're great friends, but like you remove the alcohol, I have nothing in common with this person. And that's hard, right? Because you do care for those people. It is hard. It is hard. And, you know, so going through all of those things and just Mm. keeping an open mind. um, But I love, I love that insight that you're supportive of yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like I have my back, right? Like I have, yeah. and again, doesn't mean I don't make bad decisions. doesn't mean I fall, you know, all those things, right? Like life's not perfect by any means, but I'm so much more capable of handling it the way I want to handle it. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, so I think for me, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Like not sabotaging yourself. I'm like we're on the same team. Like, yeah. We're, we're, we're doing this together. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> yes. I got you. I got you. We're good. I'm not going to do anything to screw this up again. Well, I think too, it sounds like you have a very supportive, you know, you have your wife, you have your brother, you have mm-hmm. other friends and you're yeah. that's really important too, because we need to, you know, I need to be able to run my ideas past people. I need to, um, mm-hmm. like I said, if something comes out when I'm writing, um, I need to talk to somebody about that. And sometimes it's a therapy thing. And sometimes it's, it's just someone else who's yeah. on the same yeah. path that I need to talk to because a lot, nine times out of 10, you're going to find somebody who has lost a parent. They've gone through a divorce. They they're going through, they already went through what you're going through and they might be able to tell you about some of the pitfalls or whatever. Right. Yeah. No, I love that. Well, I 
don't have any more. I mean, I have a million more questions, but that's, I know that's we all. could do this like all day. I it's, this is too good. You are, just- I love the work you're doing. Like I love your podcast, the way you share. And I love creating a space. Cause I think for me, I'm always really not hesitant. Cause I, I understand that I have a luxury of having soberish, not sobriety. And so I always appreciate amazing leaders like yourself who have done sobriety for years and years, opening up a space for these conversations. Yeah. Because I do think there's a lot of people out there that are like, I don't, I'm not there, but like, this isn't working. So thank you for allowing me to share my story. And thank you for what you do and for sharing your story. And, and Mm -hmm. I just think it's, you know, in my mind, I have more, it it would be harder to do what you do than what I do Mm -hmm. for me, because for me, it's abstinence. It's removed. I never have to think about it again. It's, I'm never Mm going to have to deal with that again. I hope knock on wood. Yeah. Whereas if I knew that I was going to get to have two drinks once a month, I would be worried constantly about what's going to happen when I do it because I know myself and it is, it's just probably not going to be two drinks. God only knows what's going to happen. And so for me, that's interesting. The people who have the discipline or, but again, we might be very different physiologically. Maybe my ability Mm -hmm. to to regulate just isn't, you know, and I don't know, I'm not a scientist, but like, it's so interesting to me, but you just celebrated two years. Yeah. I had two years sober-ish. Um, I had 32 drinks my first year, which seems like a lot looking back, but it like was not no, compared to what I was doing. And I had like a Saturday. 20, I had 22 the second year. So, and what's fascinating is like ha- almost half of those were in December. So it's like interesting data because even Katie, my wife, was like, I don't feel like you drank that much because that 22 drinks is like two a month, right? And I was like, almost half of them were during the holidays and travel and friends. And so, you know, I still am really cautious because I I feel really confident. But, you know, I am really intentional. Like, just because it's our anniversary or my birthday doesn't mean I'm going to have a drink automatically, right? Like, I don't want to just fall back into because I don't want to go back. But yeah, I mean, like 22 drinks over the year, never feeling drunk, never having more than one, never That's, feels really good for me. Back so. in the day when your doctor would ask you like how much you drink and you'd be like, you know, two glasses <laughs> a night, but my glasses were like this big, you know, or like, oh, you said glasses. <laughs> I was talking about bottles, right? It's just like, it's yeah. funny how we lie to the professionals who are supposed to be oh my gosh. helping, but we're lying to our therapist, yes. like my doctor, lying to whoever. It's just like... Oh my I used to train people, um, like physical fitness and diet and nutrition and all that stuff. And uh-huh. they would log all their, their stuff on the hydration and sleep, you know, food intake, whatever on this calorieking.com. And, and they would lie. They would just, they would lie. And it's like, but you eating a chocolate cake doesn't do anything to my outcome. Like right. you're lying to yourself. This is for you. It's not for me. Yeah. But like that's I'm what go I home did. no matter what. Yeah. That's what yeah. I did about with my drinking too. It's just like yeah. I don't want to look at that part of myself. And so I'm just not gonna yeah. say it out loud, you know? But the fact yeah. that you're I, keeping track of how many drinks you have in a oh. year and like when it happened, it goes back to that data gathering thing. hundred percent. And you're like, this is I have like a sh- streak. I have a streak that I'm on. Like I haven't had a drink in like 60 days. And then I have like how many for this like soberish year. And so, yeah. And then I mark when it is, I mark what I was doing. Cause it's, and you know, it's not always like the last drink I had was like 
it was a Friday night and I had a glass of wine. We were playing card games, listening to music. So it wasn't anything that was like, but it was a moment that I decided. But yeah, it's all data because it's fascinating to be like nine drinks in one month. I would have had less than a handful of drinks if I wouldn't have had December, but I'm always going to have a December. I'm always going to have, you know, so it's like now looking back, like next December, I'm like, how do what do you want to do? Like, how are you? Is it the same? Maybe? Is it not? I don't know. But it's, I, I love the data. It's like, I'm not even a data person, but I think it's fun to track. It is. It's so awesome. It keeps that curiosity open-minded as well. I just, I want to thank yes. you again for joining and for sharing. Thank you. And I love what you do. And it's just, you're amazing. Thank you. Mm, thank you. I'm so glad our paths crossed and look forward to supporting each other as we continue to talk about this topic it needs to be talked about. Me too. Thank you. 